Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this bonus episode of the Hired Geek Podcast, episode number 113 with Jake Burke from Skill Survey. Uh, we're talking about optimizing hiring systems uh, in higher ed. Uh, great conversation, uh, some unique stuff around the career services space and just uh, hiring for institutions in general. So I uh, really appreciate uh, Jake reaching out to me and uh, uh, having this conversation for this episode. So uh, as always, please do check out the merch store. Great stuff there to help support the show. Uh, there's always sales going on. So always kind of check back if you uh, could try on something and uh yeah, just uh, appreciate everybody for listening and the support as always. So uh, without further ado, this is episode number 113 with Jake Burke. All right. So I'm um, excited to uh, talk with you, Jake. Um, it's kind of an uh, interesting context that uh, we're getting into this conversation. It's one of the first ones, uh, season five, 2021, but also um, I know that uh, we kind of had struck up a conversation uh, about uh, your work with Skill Survey, And then like right after that, I... Uh, interacted with the platform just kind of serendipitously and then you know we're just kind of talking more about it so i'm just like really excited to uh, talk even more in depth about uh, everything that you have going on uh, there but we will start off as we always do uh, if you want to give a quick intro of yourself and your professional journey and how you got to be where you are today great well thanks dustin i appreciate very much the opportunity and uh yeah skill survey um oftentimes we we find uh, i get phone calls from people um that had just finished, uh, you know, providing a reference for somebody or asked to be mm-hmm. a reference. And uh, that's how they find us. So uh, I'm glad that you and I are able to connect and uh, happy to be uh, on Higher Ed Gig here uh, today with you and look forward to the conversation. So by way of introduction, thank you again, uh, Jake Burke. Uh, I've been here at Skill Survey. Um, and I'm currently vice president of sales where I focus um, most of my time uh, and my team's time on higher education, uh, some mid-market and also uh, some small business, but mostly around um, uh, higher education. I, I arrived here uh, just about four years ago. Um, and uh, my journey really started, though, on the other side, if you would, in higher education. Uh, my first roles. Uh, out of college and actually in graduate school were in higher education. I had a lot of experience in student services where um, I was in residence life. I ran um, uh, a uh, orientation program. Uh, and then postgraduate, I went into admissions. And I'm sure you know the tale about admissions oftentimes is three years or 30 years. Um, and uh, I ended up on the, on the three-year side to where I then moved over and in, back into student services where I was in career services for a number of years, helping students make that transition from uh, college into the world of work back in, you know, back in the late, uh, the late uh, early 90s and through, into the early 2000s. Um, and then I, I had an opportunity to, to um, really shift my career path uh, and become a professional salesperson uh, back in, in 2000, 2001. Uh, and since then, that's what I've been doing. I've had the pleasure of, of working with uh, thousands of universities and colleges and uh, across the country, um, having worked with about five or six different uh, organizations, uh, software, software organizations that provide services to uh, higher ed. And when I say higher ed, it really runs the gamut, Dustin, from you know working with uh, career services offices, with human resources, with talent, with the academic side. So I've had a pretty pretty great uh, journey, um, and uh, happy that uh, 
to land at, at Skill Survey, which my, my current current uh, position, my current role, and has uh, just been really, really a, an amazing ride because we have just a, an outstanding uh, offering that, that uh, we use. And, and for me, Dustin, you know this as well, the world of higher education uh, is rather small, as large as we might think it is, right? But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you're on the side where you're in a uh, vendor relationship, solution relationship, you better make sure that what you're doing um, is what you say you're doing <laughs> and the offerings that you have do exactly what they say they are because the world is small. Um, and uh, if you're not delivering what you say you were, that's going to be what you say you would do. That's going to be a problem. I've been very fortunate uh, that um, I've been able to to work with and represent a number of different organizations that uh, over, over the years and have been able to deliver uh, great solutions to our prospects. My clients many times turn into friends and professional associates. So it's been terrific. Yeah. Yeah. That's so great. And I guess, um, one click kind of quick clarifying question for me, just cause I'm sure other people might be curious as well. It's something I know I talk with people a lot about, uh, you know, have been for the past couple of years is like that decision point that you had of like moving from a campus-based role to these, uh, you know, some people kind of call like higher ed adjacent organizations and like the mm-hmm. different like tech companies, like how did that happen? I guess exactly just that one kind of sliver of like when you kind of had to, you know, put ink on paper of like, yes, I will take this job that's going to take me off campus. Because obviously, like, you know, in hindsight, that was kind of the beginning of the end, maybe of like the traditional higher ed working experience, you know, that you'd had for several years prior. So mm. sort of big in hindsight, maybe in the moment, you maybe didn't think, you know, that it was as dramatic and all that. But like, what were some of the, the deciding factors for you to kind of make that change at that time? It certainly was dramatic. And now hearing you say that, I go back to that time frame, I'm like, wow, you know, what am I doing? I was, I was, you know, 10 years in uh, as a younger person, you know, with a lot of higher edu- education experience. But um, at the time I was in career services, working for a wonderful uh, director of career services, and I was her right hand person, as it were. And one of the vendors that I had a relationship with, it's called Career Search. And out of the blue, one afternoon, I got a phone call from the CEO of the company, David Backrack. And he called and said, hey, Jake, you know, how's it going there? I, I know you guys are using the product. It's going well. I'm like, yeah, David, it's going great. And honestly, at the time, Dustin, I was thinking about whether I wanted to stay in career services at the institution I was at, if I wanted to go somewhere else, or if I wanted to go into another part of higher education. Or, interesting enough, I was in the middle of the uh, – special agent uh, application process for the Federal Bureau of Investigation and was well along into that uh, process. So I was kind of all over the place, honestly. Um, Mm. And so David Backrack, the the CEO and founder of CareerSource said, hey, can I I, uh, have lunch with you? I said, well, sure. I mean, working higher education, uh, you know, I'll take a free lunch. Uh, wasn't making a lot, <laughs> a lot of money there, right? And I said, sure. He says, yeah, I'd like to talk to you about maybe opportunity at career search. And I said, oh, no, I'm, I'm good, David. I'm not a sales guy. I'm a, you know, I'm a higher ed administration person. I, I work with students and I'm not a sales guy. And he said, well, tell you what, um, have lunch with me because I need to find out who I, w- I should hire. And I know you know a lot of people. And I did. So we went to lunch and we had a conversation and he talked about what it means in his view and his company, what it means to be a sales professional. And it was just totally different. And, and I walked out of that restaurant with not committing anything, uh, but walked out of there saying, well, wait a minute, 
I would love to, to do this. I would love to provide to my colleagues uh, a service that will help their students and will help them and help their lives and be, be better. And that was really the beginning of it. And, and sure enough, a number of weeks later, I made that transition and haven't looked back and it'll be 20 years. It's 20 years. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, I think that that's definitely at the core for a lot of people is sort of like, and it really just, it, they're both equal. You just have to know what you want and to be, I don't know, like doing your best work in that space of whether you're kind of, uh, I, I remember a professor when I was in grad school kind of captured this way of like, whether you're sort of more local or cosmopolitan, you know, like, because mm-hmm. if you're local, then you're going to be kind of like that probably, you know, the epitome of it is like, you're the the mayor of, you know, kind of whatever university you work at, like, you know, everybody and you're really, yes. you know, kind of invested there. And then on the other end of the spectrum, it's just like the cosmopolitan person who like wants to have like a broader impact and really like, yeah, like network nationally and all that sort of thing. And sort of like, you know, it's kind of just the sliding scale spectrum, like a you know, whoever might be like at the polar ends of either, you know, maybe that doesn't even exist. But um, so, yeah, I think it's really interesting. Yeah, because I feel like I, I was sort of in a similar place and just also just kind of the like work culture was like part of it, too. But um, and I guess maybe you can kind of speak to a little bit about that of just like, uh, you know, it's where you're at now. Obviously, it's skill survey of like if you want to kind of explain a little bit about the company, you know, what it does and your role there. And I guess just anything, I guess, that maybe uh, kind of pulls you into there uh, in particular, if that, that seems relevant. But Sure. Yeah. I mean, so fast forward across uh, about four or five different roles. Uh, I was with uh, some companies that some of your listen- listeners might be familiar with. I left Career Search and went to a company called CareerArc, which was the f- uh, founder of uh, internships.com. Uh, and then from there, went to InterviewStream, which was one of the first video interview solution uh, platforms out there that worked with uh, higher education institutions. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, uh, the founder there, Randy Bidding, is my colleague now here at Skill Survey. Uh, left there and was uh, one of the first employees at uh, Handshake, which is uh, a rather well-known now um, organization that helps career services manage their students and their job openings and, and all of that, and then landed here at Skill Survey, uh, which has been just a, an incredible journey. Um, Skill Survey's uh, people are wonderful, but also it's one of these rare mixes here, Dustin, where um, the product offerings are really uh, incredible, um, and that's that's what I'm I'm really you know excited about is is what we're able to deliver to um, the higher education vertical. Um, so Skill Survey was founded about 20 years ago. Um, so I haven't been with them the whole time. But, and the reason why um, and what we, were, what we do here is that we, among other things, is the initial offering was leveraging um, uh, technology and scientific data uh, around automating the reference checking process. Um, the Reference checking process, I don't think anybody would argue this point, is oftentimes rather arduous, uh, low value, and sometimes looked at like, you know, just a check the box thing. The reality is, is that uh, employers uh, can really leverage uh, this reference checking process to find out um, who the people are that are going to be coming into, potentially coming into the the campus. Um, It's one thing uh, to have the technical certifications, you know, you have a doctorate in mathematics, so you can teach calculus, for example, or you have a, 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 you know, you have a CPA, so you can work in the accounting department, whatever the case may be, but what kind of person, uh, what are the competencies, what are the soft skills, the power skills, if you would, and that's what Skill Survey 
really examines and brings out uh, to the forefront. Uh, how do we do that? Uh, we have a team of data scientists that, and what they do is create uh, a, a myriad of surveys, about 600 different surveys in our survey library that matches the role that you are trying to, uh, to recruit for. And so, you know, a candidate, as you know from your experience, the, the candidate is asked to provide X number of references. The references get sent a link with a survey of 28 to 30 questions around the behaviors related to that particular role. You know, when you reference check somebody for a police officer position, you really should be focusing on different behaviors than someone that you're looking at for a financial aid role or an admissions counselor role. And that's what we do. We take the arduous part and the low value, non, no, no data part of that process and replace it with a rather easy and efficient process that provides in a matter of a day or two, not five days, not 10 days, uh, a tremendous amount of information uh, as to whether or not the candidate would be a good fit for that role. Uh, in fact, if this uh, concept of predictive validity, we can tell you uh, based on the survey results from your candidates, uh, whether or not they would be more likely to turn over a cause within a year. The implications of that are tremendous. That's one piece. Mm -hmm. But we have a cradle to grave solution. So that's the, what we call the pre-hire solution. And then we have a sourcing capability where anytime, whether in, under any economy, the professionals in talent and HR are always struggling with their candidate pool. More candidates, more, more candidates, more opportunities, more likely to find someone that's going to be a great fit. So many of our clients will leverage the references on their current candidates and turn them into future passive candidates using our source capability. Uh, and then last but not least uh, on this element is our post-hire technology. A lot of talk over the last year in 2020 and uh, around uh, employee engagement. How do you measure that? How do you find that? You know, what, how do you know that you're that your employees are doing well? How do you know that you're doing well with them from an onboarding standpoint, from a recruiting standpoint, to an onboarding, and then just an engagement standpoint? So we provide those services as well in our suite. And then a derivative of that on the student services side, Dustin, that I'm really excited about is our career readiness solution. We basically adapted our reference solution to measure um, the uh, competencies of students in their internship and co-op experience as undergrads align with the eight NACE competencies from the National Association of Colleges and Employers. And we've been doing this now for a couple of years where we're giving feedback from the students they self-assess, but also give feedback from the students from their internship co-op supervisors about where they are on the continuum on these eight different competencies and provide them a report as well. So. Um, in the short time that I've been here, uh, Skill Survey has really expanded their offering so that um, for a higher education, uh, no matter what your role is on the student services side, on the HR, the talent side, um, uh, academic side with the provost, uh, we have something there that's going to help your organization. Does that give yeah. you a good, a good sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, it, like you said, it's just really comprehensive. And I guess the, one of the biggest things that you already spoke about sort of the, uh, that student piece and everything. Cause I think just in my experience, I think having a more sophisticated tool to help with recruitment, like as a staff member, you know, you're hiring for a colleague, you know, I, I think that often 
you know, HR is kind of just doing the administrative pieces and then they're just kind of tasking, you know, a hiring committee of, uh, you know, people, you know, staff or faculty that, uh, have a bunch of other things going on and maybe, you know, they haven't been like, uh, suitably trained or, you know, they just have a lot of competing priorities. So, you know, I think just supporting, um, you know, the work of those uh, professionals to have like these really like kind of uh, proven uh, ways to uh, vet candidates or just kind of organize the process and everything. Um, you know, for me, it just like that just seems like such a, you know, such a positive outcome and everything. But so I guess, yeah, we can kind of just, you know, there's a couple other things I guess I wanted to talk about with like a uh, skill survey, just like, you know, you know, with supporting the work of higher ed. And maybe if we, we start with that, that point that I just made in, in particular, like if you see that, that that's maybe like the biggest pain point of where people kind of start is just, you know, the uh, recruitment of other staff and faculty. And then like the other things kind of fall in with that, or like where, where maybe do you see like kind of the biggest gap or the biggest need just as far as you're able to see kind of like anecdotally, just with like the conversations that you're having. Sure. Sure. Thank you. So, so, the industry, if you want to call higher education an industry, is faced in 2020 and into 2021 unprecedented challenges. It's not unique, right? Other industries as well. But right. I mean, having been inside and, and been around higher education now for a quarter of a century, I, I, I'm just astounded at, at what changes have occurred. And and those challenges um, are going are coming right at uh, campus leadership around their entire operation, whether it's housing, uh, student services, academia, how to deliver, why to deliver, all of those things has just been unprecedented. And the way that skill survey can respond to that and be helpful uh, in that way is, is certainly not uh, limitless, but the, the, the list is long. So let's take it from the beginning with the pre-hire, right? The recruiting upside. Uh, we all know this. I mean, it's, it is a rather challenging thing to find the uh, appropriate talent, interview the appropriate talent, figure out whether or not that's a, that's a fit from their, their, their abilities and all of that. But diving into who they really are, as I said earlier, um, can, can be uh, rather arduous. And quite frankly, higher education doesn't have time anymore to take their time. Uh, this is a, this is a business, right? This is, there's outside pressures now. Budgets are ripped apart, right? The, 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 mm-hmm. the shortfalls due to this COVID-19 is, is just unbelievable. So anytime the leadership on campus, whether again, it would be at the HR level, the talent management level, the CFO uh, or the provost, they should be, in my view, looking at how they're doing business not in the classroom, but supporting all of the classroom. And one of the ways to do that is to bring efficiencies to the table. How do they do that? Leverage technology like every other industry does. Problem is, is that I, I find that sometimes it's, it's difficult uh, to, to be a change agent on a campus, whether it was from my own experience way back when, when the internet was first coming in and making a scene on, in career services, or even to today, but there is no doubt, and there should be no doubt that whether it's what we're talking about today, specifically what we deliver at Skill Survey, or the myriad of other uh, you know, software organizations and, and the solutions, they're going to have to adapt and adopt these solutions to bring these kind of things, uh, these efficiencies, if you would, to the process, to the table, because there's a cost to not doing that. There just is. So specifically with us, what we do is, we take a process that 
is extremely costly. People don't view it that way, right? I, I oftentimes will talk with people on the phone and they'll say, well, Jake, we, we already do reference checking and we do it for free. Mm-hmm. And I'll stop and say, no, you don't. Who does it? Well, you know, Sally does. Oh, and she's a recruiter. Yeah. How much does she make a year? Oh, $60,000 a year. Okay. Well, that's, there's a cost to her time, right? And you, and you kind of go down that road with them and realize that in organizations that are recruiting small numbers or large numbers, there's a tremendous cost to the inefficiency. So what I'm able to, to show with, with what we do is, is knocking down that time to hire. There's a definitive, obvious efficiency play there, but also on the other side, because we are uniquely positioned as a company, there's no other provider out there that does what we do with the data sciences that we have on our team and the, and the data that we provide, we can also increase the quality of candidate. And when you take those two things together, uh, you're just uh, immediately providing value to that organization. Now, when you layer on top of all of that, Dustin, that our solution is EEOC compliance and supports the diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives that many of these institutions are talking about, that they want to do that. Well, that's just another home run because because of our science team, they they assess our process and against the EEOC standards so that there is never any bias uh, when you use our surveys against anybody around race, gender, or age. Because, uh, you know, there's this, this whole idea around unconscious bias. I hear it time and again at the Sherm conferences, at the Cooper conferences about how we need to eliminate it and all of that. Well, as long as you have human beings in the process, listening, taking notes, listening to what they want to hear, interpreting what they want to hear, you're going to have unconscious bias, which can potentially lead to an unfair playing field. When you introduce data and you introduce science into a decision-making process, it makes it much more of a level playing field for all. Now, as unconscious bias, we, we could have a whole other, <laughs> we could have a whole other uh, uh, podcast today on, on the implications of conscious bias and those terrible mm-hmm. human beings, but that's not what we're talking about today, right? So, so on the pre-hire side, those are the things that leadership on campus should be looking at. Where can I save time? Where can I save dollars? around my processes. And that's what we can do on that end. Same thing with recruiting. The cost of recruiting one individual candidate, according to, I think it was JobVite for for an organization, somewhere around $4,000, $5,000 minimum. By leveraging something like Skills Survey Source, uh, the cost of bringing a candidate, uh, recruiting and finding a candidate and bringing someone on board is... um, in the, in the hundreds of dollars. So when you think about a university that is hiring uh, a number of people any given year, recruiting a number of people any given year, uh, the savings of time is great, but the savings of dollars has, has great implications as well. Uh, and then lastly, this is what I've been seeing and uh, learning is that there's a tremendous gap on the post-hire world, if you would. You know, it's one, you know, everybody breathes a sigh of relief. Oh, we, we found Dustin. We recruited Dustin. Dustin's on board with us. Um, and here he goes. Dustin, go do your job. And mm-hmm. how do we know Dustin's doing well? How do we know that he's enjoying being at, at the University of XYZ? Well, unless we're asking him and engaging him in a way that he feels that he can provide confidential information about the process, you know, the onboarding thing, I love being here, don't get me wrong, but the onboarding process was terrible in this way and that way. We can assess those. 
again, from a leadership standpoint, as the VP or the CHRO, don't you want to know that you're, where your processes are doing well and where they're not? That's what we can do. And again, implications during these unprecedented times at higher ed where you can save any dollar is, is a wonderful thing. Where you can save time is an amazing thing. When you can have happy employees uh, is, is a great thing. The implications are, are endless. And then lastly is the career readiness side. You were talking earlier about about being a brand new dad. I'm a little bit ahead of you. I've got a I've got a 15 to soon to be 16 next week, uh, 16, 14, and 10 year old. I'm going to be for the first time in my life. I'm going to be a consumer of higher education. Right? I got to go. Um, I got to go find my kids where they're going to go to school. Going to help them make that decision. Um, one of the, as someone who were, I'm at a tremendous advantage, I think, over the, the persons, people who don't have any sense of higher ed other than their experience when they were there themselves. I'm going to go see two people, Dustin. Okay. I'm going to assume that the, the educational institution that I'm going to in the career, in, in the, in the degree that my sons or my daughter are going to uh, go to are going to be accredited, right? By ABET, if it's engineering, by AACSB, if it's business or what have you, right? I'm going to assume that mm-hmm. two plus two is four everywhere, right? Um, but I want to know from the student services residence life professional, what's it like to be in the residence halls? What's the programming around that? All of those things. The second person I'm going to go see is the director of the career services office. And what I'm going to ask her is not, hey, are you going to get my kid a job? That's the most obnoxious thing <laughs> as a former career services professional I could hear from a parent, right? That's not my job. My job is to help prepare your students to have them uh, get themselves a job, right? Guide them, give them some tools, all of those things. And if I have a career services professional in front of me that says, well, hey, here's a profile of what our students look like from a uh, competency standpoint that has been benchmarked by National Association of College Employers. And these are this is the competition level of, of our students, how they compete in the workplace. And can speak to those kind of things. I'm most likely going to write my check to that institution versus a career services office that has, you know, a website with a bunch of job opportunities. Um, so that's kind of, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself with what the future might hold in my view for uh, parents like me who are much more discerning uh, and want to have an understanding of what is the ROI uh, for the student and for the family when they're when they're uh, engaging with the higher ed institution. Yeah. Skill survey, skill surveys, career readiness solution does exactly that. It will it will help it will help the university understand from a very granular level. Help the student understand where they are compared to other students across the country, across the campus, however they want to dice and slice it. But the university will understand very quickly where they are in a much uh, broader way as they compete with other universities because we'll have all that data. And that's really important uh, for everybody. Yeah, I mean, just it's gonna, you know, we'll move on to kind of that future looking piece here next. But like, I mean, it just sticks out to me, just like I think underlying much of what you said was just like, not just being more efficient with our work, like, but being smarter. So like doing both of those things and like, even just like the one really tangible example, like you said of like, uh, with reference checks, because I think it's just such a like, you know, I think people get, you know, the very minimum of what they might need or what they think they need or want. Certainly it being like anonymous and more efficient, you know, people can do it on their own time and just, uh, you know, being consistent uh, and all that, like that just, you know, yeah. And having to think about it of like, cause I, I don't, I don't know if maybe like a lot of 
uh, higher institutions even have like a dedicated recruiter. Like, again, it's, you know, it's somebody who's got a bunch of other things and they're trying to chase somebody on the phone to get a reference. And, you know, maybe one person to the next are asking different questions, uh, you know, of the reference about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people being hired. So it's just, yeah, I mean, that, that even just is, I think, one really compelling example for uh, folks to kind of just be thinking about uh, how they're going about this work and making sure that they're trying to be as uh, efficient and kind of uh, smart as they can be. But um, so, I mean, yeah, you definitely were talking about a lot of stuff. And I think just the idea that, you know, uh, the work that you're doing is kind of trailblazing a certain, uh, you know, a bit in this regard, but, um, you know, just broadly in terms of this work of term, you know, the uh, recruitment and supporting of uh, professionals at institutions and supporting students and their career readiness, like, what are you looking forward to with all this work? So if it's kind of any of any of those things or all of those things, whatever comes to mind and whatever you'd want to share. Um, yeah, just kind of looking towards the future. Yeah, that, that's great. I, but before I do that, I want to say that you, you hit on a couple important things around process and how it probably most likely occurs on campus now. It's not a dedicated person in HR. They, they, it's a hiring manager at some department that is tasked with doing these reference checks, right? They're not a professional HR person. And there's a myriad of risk that is associated with that. And you touched on two things, right? Compliance. Um, you know, a, a candidate's reference could be asked uh, one set of questions and a candidate for the same position and their references could be asked another set of questions. That is a compliance issue. Consistency, right? All of those things. And then that leads to what, what keeps, I think, uh, university uh, lawyers up at night, risk. Um, want to minimize risk around that. So I wanted to, to further that point because uh, it was really an important mm. one that you, that you brought up. But in terms of what's, what's next um, from, from our standpoint, as I said, you know, the, 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 the thing that I'm hearing a lot about this past year was how do we capture that employee engagement? How do we mitigate and minimize that unconscious bias? Um, it's going to be a challenge 2021, make no mistake. Uh, let, let's talk about the ability to work remotely for a moment. Um, <laughs> how many people in, for the first time in their professional careers found themselves at home working uh, in a role where they were typically on campus, right? Front facing mm-hmm. with students and all of the things that they had to learn around that. Well, that's not really going to go away. In fact, um, our, our, our great science, the data science team here in May came up with another competency that we can measure literally based on nine different behaviors uh, of whether or not someone can, in fact, successfully work at home. We call it ability to work remotely. Um, that is going to be an impact for the future um, uh, for not only higher education, but, but many of the industries. And so how do you respond to that individual who you're recruiting? Can't, if it's going to require some or all uh, remote work, how do you know whether or not they can do that? Not everybody's cut out for that, Dustin, I can tell you. Um, and if that is going to be something that you're not cut out with, cut out for, then maybe that's not the person that, uh, you know, that, that should be hired if they're not cut out for that. So that's going to be uh, the future uh, one of the future implications as we go forward and how skill survey addresses that specifically. Um, I think the other piece is, uh, from a future application of what, uh, skill survey could see themselves doing is, um, and this goes back to my experience in admissions way back when, you know, the SAT and the ACT, um, are not going to be required necessarily. I mean, I'm hearing that now as, as a parent that I'm hearing people say, well, no, 
my daughter, my son didn't have to take the SAT. And I was like, oh, so how are they assessing the students? What are they looking at? What are the, what are the admissions professionals looking at, Dustin, as they assess whether or not Sally or Jimmy can, can go to the institution? Of course, they're going to look at their, their transcript, their high school grades, right? But beyond that, what else? Well, I would argue that they want to look at the whole person. This person, this young person, have the ability to critically think. Do they have the, the are they are they a good team player? All those things that we can assess as a former uh, admissions counselor at a major university. I would love to have that profile in front of me beyond whether or not the student tests well and, and gets great grades. There are a lot of things that that impact that for a young person nowadays. Uh, imagine imagine having a kind of a profile of that student in front of you as you assess. Yes, academically they they certainly meet the the level, the appropriate level and grade, but beyond that, um, who are they as a person and what value add are they going to bring to our campus as a member of the community? I, I think the implications of that could be, could be tremendous. So um, really that, that's what, that's what I, I see um, in, in some of the future of, of higher education as well. Yeah, definitely agree. And I mean, I'm just definitely excited about like, just remote work being a bit more common. Like I think it can be a really good fit for some people and it's good to be able to measure like those that, you know, I mean, they're not there yet. And, you know, and that, that using that kind of phrasing purposely, like I think mm-hmm. it could be, it's just like not yet, you know, like you maybe just need a couple more years to get your kind of like organizational skills and discipline and, you know, communication in a better place so that you're, you know, best poised for success, even, uh, you know, whether or not you're in person, um, you know, in any particular role, but, um, so, yeah, I mean, it's good just like, you know, you're kind of uh, changing with the times in terms of like, you know, embedding those pieces into, uh, you know, what you're uh, reviewing folks on. But um, so I guess then with all that, I mean, if it's anything that you kind of just personally are uh, engaging with or anything skill survey maybe is able to offer, but just any resources that you'd like to share, we always like to be able to, you know, include a lot of stuff in the uh, show notes for folks to check out. So, yeah, any, any podcast articles, books, et cetera, that you'd want to uh, give a shout out to? Yeah, so you know, I, I was thinking about this this, this question um, this morning a little bit as well. And, um, you know, skill survey itself, I mean, again, because we have the advantage of, of uh, our data science team, our IO psychology team, um, they provide a lot of resources just on our website around around what we're able to uh, uh, provide. For me, um, I start my day every morning with Google Alerts uh, and go in and find articles uh, on a myriad of topics related to higher education, faculty hiring, staff, all of those things. And I think, quite frankly, Dustin, that's how you and I met is uh mm-hmm. through through inside higher education which is another another resource right uh articles there um and and of course in the chronicle of, of higher ed uh, higher ed drive all of those resources are are tremendous um there's a um uh, a podcast that i listened to by one by the name of uh, kelly bailey that talks about um kelly bailey ryan that talks about uh skills which is great um uh, and then NACE, uh, the National Association of Colleges and Employers, NACE.org, is a great place for student service professionals um, listening in about where the matching of the higher education professionals, the career service professionals, and the industry leaders are. And that has, as one of the things that has come from that relationship is, is the uh, career readiness solution that we now have around those eight NACE competencies. So, I mean, nothing... Nothing earth shattering for me in terms of um, of what 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 I 
look at it. I mean, a lot of people say, yeah, I know all that stuff, Jake, but I'm just reiterating. That's where, that's where I go. I mean, I'm, ta I'm tasked with, in addition to a number of things here at Skill Survey, I'm tasked with knowing, you know, what's, what's going on, uh, what's next, who's talking about it. And again, one of the results of that is, is our conversation uh, here today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just a good reminder, uh, you know, new year, new habits and whatnot, just, uh, staying well-read and informed of, uh, yeah, just kind of the hot topics and current events in the space and the field. So, um, always a, always a helpful reminder. Mm -hmm. Um, but as we wrap up, uh, you know, just any final thoughts on this topic, things you'd want to kind of end the episode on kind of call to action or any, uh, just, uh, things that you'd want to kind of, uh, compel people with as we, uh, wind down and end the episode. Yeah, a couple things, I think, uh, and thank you for this, but I, I think one thing that strikes me again, if I can play the role of consumer, right? I send my sons and my daughter away. I want to know that they're going to be okay. They're going to make friends and all those things. They're going to learn things in the classroom, but they're going to be in a community, uh, an environment. And I want to know that every person that's going to front face with my daughter, with my sons, um, has been reasonably vetted and understand that they are good people. They might not be the smartest in the world. They might not be the, the best looking, all those things. Those things don't matter to me. What matters to me is that they're good people and they're all dedicated to the mission and what they contribute to the mission of that university, of that college. Because every single person that gets hired at a university, Dustin, um, unless you can tell me otherwise, I can't think of one, is in one way or another either front-facing with the undergraduates or has the potential to. And, mm -hmm. and I think it is incumbent upon a leadership on universities and campuses to make sure that not only is there a competency level there uh, for these folks, whatever their role is, but a humanistic expectation that they are, uh, they are good people. And um, that's, that's me as a consumer, as a parent, and also me as the, the person who works at Skill Survey with a solution that helps provide that. Why wouldn't you want that um, you know, and know that instead of just checking the box and saying, yeah, we, they said that they were a pretty good person, have the data to feel good about, about that. So the call to action is, is more of a general one for the leaders on, that listen to this podcast that are on campus right now. Ask yourself, uh, your processes uh, as efficient as they need to be, can you save more resources to dedicate them elsewhere? You know, many people faced layoffs last year. Well, if you could save dollars by changing some of the processes that could then turn around and pay for someone that might not have to lose their job, wouldn't you want to do that? Well, Skill Survey and other solutions are out there for you to examine and do that every day. And it's a low risk to explore but a tremendous ROI uh, for you if you do implement them. I mean, in fact, I, I can, you know, for our, for our purposes, we've been studying this now for a while. It's an exponential return uh, realized within a month or two uh, here. So I think, I think just looking outside the box to use that cliche, but, but more importantly, looking at the processes on your campus and, and the implication of not doing anything. Yeah. Great way to put it and great way to end the episode. And uh, just thank you so much for your time and all that you shared. And uh, we'll have ways to connect with you and the work that you're doing, as well as everything else that you mentioned uh, in the show notes as usual. But uh, thanks again so much, Jake. Thank you, Dustin. I appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast.